This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show hosts or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. It's six o'clock and time again for Brain Matters, the official radio show of the UA Counseling Center. We are broadcasting from the campus of the University of Alabama. Good evening. My name is Dr. B.J. Gunther, and I'm the host of the show, along with my colleague and producer, Katherine Howell. And in case you don't know, this show is about mental and physical health issues that affect college students, and in particular, UA students. So you can listen to us each Tuesday night at 6 p.m. on 90.7 FM, or you can listen online at wvuafm.ua.edu. You can also download the MyTuner radio app and type in WBUAFM 90.7 and find us there. Also, if you have any questions, I always make this announcement every week. If you have any questions or if you have any ideas for upcoming show topics, please email those to us at brainmattersradio at wbuafm.ua.edu, and I'll try to um, consider those show topics because we're always needing I keep a running list to be honest with you a running list of show topics that people send me for upcoming future shows this is our fourth show for the spring semester we don't do shows in the summer but we'll start back up in the fall and I do need some more ideas for this semester for the last few shows so if you have those again it's brain matters radio at wvuafm.ua.edu and also I'll try to remember Catherine tries to help me remember to give out this email during the show in case you have any questions or um, anything comes up about college mental health you can always email me tonight's show topic is one that I've really been wanting to do for a while um, and it's just come up on my list that I keep my running list of show topics psychedelic assisted therapy it's fascinating and I think when people sometimes when people first hear about this they're like whoa you know what what is this about but when you start reading and you start doing research and there's evidence-based research Research on psychedelic assisted therapy so it's legitimate um, you understand that this this can be a life-saving alternative for some people who nothing else has worked and we're going to talk about that in depth many people are becoming you know dissatisfied with traditional treatment methods for everything from PTSD to depression and they're looking sometimes to psychedelics for help. Evidence suggests that psychedelics can not only treat such conditions but do so quickly and this comes as potentially like I said life-saving news especially for those experiencing suicidal thoughts. However psychedelics are powerful substances. People are curious about psychedelic medicine and therapy um, and should do their research before starting any course of treatment. My guest tonight is Kenton Bartlett. Kenton, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Kenton is a licensed professional counselor with a private practice in the Birmingham area. He's going to give us a lot more insight about what this is all about, how long he's been doing it, etc., etc. Thanks for being on the show, Kenton. Thanks for having me. Tell the listeners about yourself, a little more about yourself, um, your credentials, and why you're interested in this topic. 
Sure. So I'm, I'm a licensed psychedelic therapist or just licensed therapist, really. And I have training, uh, formal training in ketamine therapy, uh, MDMA therapy, and also EMDR and brain spotting, which are two kind of like non-talk therapy approaches. And my background is that I worked at, e- at an eating disorder clinic for a long time. And then, uh, you know, one friend gave me a book on psychedelics and I, I read it and was like, wow, this is, you know, like really important stuff because I had never taken any, um, you know, mind altering substance before, before only just a couple of years ago and, and seeing so many people relapse at the clinic, it felt really motivating to me to try to find something, something different, you know, that could help people who, you know, are not responding to traditional therapy. Right. What about, um, you, you said you have formal training in ketamine therapy. What does that mean? Um, yeah, so there's a there's a training um, place called Polaris Insight Center, and it's several people who have a lot of experience in the field of psychedelic therapy, and they got together and they were like, wow, what, you know, what, what do we wish we had learned at the start of all this? So they synthesized everything that they had learned, and they created this uh, several, um, they have these different modules, and you can take like day long training modules, and they have about eight or so of them, and then mm-hmm. you can also go do an in-person retreat where you actually take experience ketamine yourself in a legal, you know, with a legal prescription with trained therapists. And I thought that was a really great way to see what that's like to, you know, receive what, what, and to experience it firsthand. And so that, that was really beneficial. What does psychedelic mean? Um, so there's a couple different definitions. One means uh, like mind manifesting, and there's a different way of translating it where it could be like soul revealing. Um, and so it, essentially it's just, it, it takes the contents of your mind or the deep down, whatever is going on deep down within you. And it can be really clarifying and show you what's there. What, how old is this form of therapy? Well, I mean, so the use of mind-altering, you know, uh, agents and 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 things that can help expand consciousness has been thousands thousands of years old. Um, and then in our modern world, this was coming around like in the like around the fifties and sixties and around around that time. And yeah. then uh, that's what and, I think about when I hear psychedelic. You know, you think of right, the, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were starting to use that and like with uh, psychiatrists and therapists and things like that. And then uh, some stuff happened politically where they pulled the plug and it was really like unethical. It seemed like it was related to the war and different um, political reasons rather than anything related to science. So they kind of stopped all the research and all of the therapeutic progress at that time. And then that just brought everything to a screeching halt. And so then only, you know, in the around, around the late 90s is when it just the, the door cracked open again and then since then it's been gradually building momentum until now where i think the momentum is reaching a pretty good uh pace where now a lot of people are coming on board with it and it is starting to become more integrated into our more modern mental health world so do you, do you think that you said the 1990s is when it really um became more integrated in western clinical settings would you say well, I think that was like the, to my memory is that that was the first like study that was ever allowed to have happen with psychedelics again. So like there was this huge, you know, long gap. And then they just said, well, one study, we'll do one study and allow that to happen. And then since then, more studies have, have been uh, gradually growing. And then ketamine, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly when ketamine started to be able to be used um, in a therapeutic environment, but uh-huh. I it's relatively recent, like, like, you know, 2000, 2010s or something like that, yes. if I, I want to say. 
I want to say that too because that the show before we started this show, I was telling Kenton um, that I had had a couple of people on. I've had a couple of shows that are probably on. Um, they're probably podcasted to Audioboom.com. I don't think they're on Apple. Um, and they were about ketamine therapy, I believe, specifically for depression. If okay. I remember correctly, but we've had two people on the show in the past um, talk about just ketamine therapy, what it is. Do you um, what what do you what do you think? I don't know how to ask this. I'm going to do the best I can. What do you think was the cause of it being more accepted? I, I think maybe just d- desperation, yeah. <laughs> like, like our world, like just the mental health is not getting any better people are dying all from all kinds of things like addiction suicide you know struggling really hard with ptsd and all kinds of things and so it's like okay well what we have is not working here's this other thing and so we might as well see if that's going to help i know i mean that that's what i want to believe is is kind of driving this it's an alternative like like we've been saying to traditional medicine when something's not working i mean there are lots of alternatives too we've had a show on um TMS, transmagnetic, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Sorry. That's a little bit different too, you know, and I'm sure when people hear that, they're like very questioning. But if you've ever had anybody in your family who's been desperate for treatment, for whatever the condition is, and nothing has seemed to work, you will try just about anything. You will. Right. What about, um, what kind of, conditions i mentioned depression but what kinds of things or disorders um issues problems whatever however you want to label it what what are they used for what are psychedelics used for i i think they're extremely versatile tools you know and in, in, our, in our mental health world i mean they, they could be used for things that you know diagnoses that we often think about you know like ptsd depression anxiety OCD, you know, sleep stuff, just there's so many things. But I, I like to think of it like a little bit more holistically sometimes and not even really rely that much on the diagnostic labels sometimes. And sometimes just even using these as a tool for tools for growth or expansion or, um, you know, to deepening one's relationship with one oneself or, or even, you know, relationship stuff. It could, you know, ex- improve people's relationship lives. And so it could be used also for couples and families and um, even spirituality wise, you know, people can really uh, grow in all kinds of ways from these things because they really kind of quiet the noise in, in your mind sometimes and allow you to go deeper and access, you know, some some more kind of like the wisdom that might be lurking sort of somewhere inside. What what conditions do you see the most of that they come to you for help? Um I mean, a lot of times trauma, uh, because trauma can just sort of ripple out into so many other things, you know, like, like, you know, someone could be presenting with symptoms associated with depression, anxiety, or addiction. But Uh when you sort of like really get to the bottom of it, a lot of times that is from trauma. Um, And and that that sort of, yeah, just ripples out from that. Yeah. And a lot of times, I I think I saw on your um, website that you're also trained in EMDR. That's right. Uh We had a show, we've had several shows on EMDR, which for listeners who don't know what that is, it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing, I think is what it is. And you have to have credentials in that and training. And I had a therapist who was on the show a few weeks ago. I believe she said, Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe she said it's the number one treatment now for trauma. 
so you have both credentials you know you have like a couple of things that you can literally use with people who maybe like i said you know normal traditional what you think of as therapy hasn't worked for right. mm-hmm. i yeah, bet I they're the, relieved yeah. i bet they're relieved when they talk to you that there is an option out there for them sure and i like to you know be able to present different options so yeah. that there are you know if one thing isn't working okay well let's try something different that's right that's right let's take a short break and then when we come back i want you to walk us through like what happens like how you make the decision with the client to use this form of therapy okay so stay with us you're listening to brain matters on 90.7 the capstone WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show hosts or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. Brain Matters on 90.7 The Capstone. I'm Dr. B.J. Gunther, and we're talking tonight about psychedelics and therapy. And you might be shocked to hear that, but this is really, an I don't want to say up and coming because it's been around for a while, but it's really being introduced now as an alternative or a treatment for um, a lot of different conditions. We just got through, before the break, we just got through talking about some of those conditions that people come to Kenton Bartlett, who is my guest tonight. Kenton is a licensed professional counselor in the Birmingham area who does psychedelic assisted therapy. So I was asking Kenton about, you know, walking us through, what's it look like if I call you and, and explain to you that I need to make an appointment? What's the next step? What happens? Yeah. So um, to be honest, the, the, the demand for psychedelic therapy has been just monumental. And I've had to continue to adapt and refine to be able to try to meet that demand and not turn anyone away because I think it's so valuable. And so I keep trying to get creative about how to do that. Yeah. And so now, like, I'm so specialized that really anyone who's coming to me is only only interested in psychedelics so it's it's not a matter it's generally not a matter of like are we going to try to do psychedelics or or not for the most part it's it's kind of like which one is the most appropriate for me or or you know i mean i also do the brain spotting and emdr but a lot of times the conversation is about i'm interested in psychedelics which one is the most appropriate for me and so then we talk about different medications um, and, and things like that, and also different legal opportunities. You know, if ketamine isn't a good fit for this person, then we could talk about, you know, either joining a church or clinical trial or going to another state or country in order to, you know, provide harm reduction to make sure they're doing it safely and so that it, it is helpful for them. How do you choose? How do you choose what psychedelic to use? Yeah, it's, there's so many different factors. Um, so, like, if, if someone is really afraid of psychedelics, for example, um, I think ketamine would be a great place to start because it's in uh, the way I use it is with lozenges. So people get their own prescription of lozenges through a doctor and then they you know, would take just a little bit 
um, like, a, you know, one lozenge to see what that's like. And then we wait about 25 minutes and then they can take a boost and then take another boost later if they want to. And it's really short acting. So it's about an hour and a half. And so uh, if they hated it, you know, they'd be back to almost normal in about an hour and a half and it reduces anxiety a lot. And so I think that would be a really great, great tool for those reasons, because you're more in control of like the gas and the brakes and it's a shorter experience versus something like mushrooms is a much longer experience and can also generate a little bit more panic or anxiety. Um, so if someone's really struggling with panic or anxiety, that might not be a good place to start. And being on medications has a lot of, you know, that has a lot to do with it too. Right. Ketamine, for example, you could be on almost any medication and use that. Um, whereas uh, mushrooms, you can be on more things, but some, if you're on an antidepressant, uh, like anything related to your serotonin system, that can dull the effects. And so then you just, you take the mushrooms, for example, and nothing would really happen. And so those are just some of the factors, but there, there's many, many, many more psychedelics and a lot more factors that we could talk for a long time about, about, yeah, all that. Well, I've read a couple of articles about um, how long each lasts. You know, you mentioned ketamine is more of short term. I mean, how often would somebody have to be seen if they're, if they choose to use the ketamine therapy as opposed to like mushrooms or MDMA or LSD even. And I know that's shocking for some people who are listening to this, but Kenton's going to explain this to us. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they're all equally uh, beneficial tools and they're all going to the same place, which is, you know, inside of, of all of us. And so when used, you know, with intention and in a really safe and constructive environment, they all have equal potential for equal benefit in some ways. And so like I, the way when people come to me, I recommend people think about this stuff as a series of like four psychedelic journeys. And each one is kind of like a puzzle piece. And if you have just a single puzzle piece, it might not make sense. But if you you know do one and then you wait you know several months and and you've integrated the experience, whatever happened, then you do another one and then you can you know wait several months and then do another one or a year or however long you want to wait in between. And then that way it's it's like you, there's a bit of a themes can start to develop, you know, or you know it's like if you don't get everything out of one experience. You might want to try again and, and go deeper, or you might want to switch to a different psychedelic and see what happens there. And so then if you sort of, and you can mix and match for these four experiences. So I think that can help people just leaving it open to where you could, you know, have some flexibility with ma making sure you do more than one experience to get the results you, you might be looking for. And also to have the flexibility to switch from one psychedelic to another. Which one is the most long lasting? Um, LSD is a really popular one that's long lasting. So that's about 10 to 12 hours. But there's another one. It's, it's a lot more obscure. It's called Ibogaine. Yes. And it, it comes from um, like a, a, a root bark in um, Africa. And it lasts about 24 to 36 hours to go on an experience um, with that. Are all of these plant based? Um, not all the psychedelics, but that, that one is for sure. So, yes. the yeah. What about... Um... Are there any, how do I ask this? Do you have a process for choosing which clients are right for this treatment? In other words, I'm assuming not everybody who calls you, you accept. Um, yeah, I, I try. I've been doing my absolute best to at least meet with everyone um, who reaches out to, to do a consultation yes, yes. If, if possible. And if I haven't reached out and someone's listening, just let me know. <laughs> I'll try to get with you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I try to meet at least once with everyone. And, and some people, you know, like 
after meeting for consultation, people might get afraid or be like, I don't really want to do this, but, and, and that's also not appropriate for everyone. So, um, it could be that someone has, you know, like, uh, just different reasons, like a, a history with different psychological issues or different medical issues. Um, these are two things that, you know, we would make sure to look at to make sure that everything would be appropriate. Like if there was a lot of, you know, a lot of heart conditions, for example, that would not really be safe to do. Or if there's an extensive history with, um, psychosis or, um, you know, out of touch with reality or or manic manic episodes or something. They would be appropriate. Yeah. And it could, you know, it could just depend too. And like, and if someone like, for example, doesn't have any, any support whatsoever. So there's no, they're not seeing a therapist. They don't, not a lot of friends or social support and they're wanting to do a really intense psychedelic experience like that might not be a very good idea because so much could emerge for that person and if they don't have people to talk about it with afterwards that that could be you know psychologically dangerous so there's just lots of different factors that you know to talk talk out um in that especially the first consultation appointment um what about the you know, we're talking about there could be possible risk, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but are you connected with any medical facility? You, I know you don't have medical training yourself, but is that a re- requirement um, to be I, able to um, administer this? I work with um, a couple of different doctors, and the doctors are, you know, have, have different training in, uh, in ketamine, and then they, they offer a prescription. So, like, when I meet with a client, I recommend that they go to one of those doctors and then they get the prescription from the doctor. So they're, they're you know, in a client patient relationship with that doctor. And then they just have their own prescription. Yes. So I never actually, I never actually touched the ketamine myself at all. Um, and so people just have their own prescription. They're totally responsible with it or, or for, for their prescription. And then I'm there to, you know, provide safety and support um, to do it. And there's actually not a lot of um, really concrete um, laws that I know of about how that should be done. Because for example, like someone has their own prescription right. and so they can take it at home, you know, or, or with even a friend could theoretically sit with them while that's happening. Um, and so but the consequence of that is that the majority of doctors will not prescribe it because most doctors are just not willing to um, take on that kind of liability. Well, that was my next question. Is there a high liability to doing this? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I think it's extremely Bottom safe. Line, yes. I mean, I, I think it's extremely safe and I'm really meticulous about all kinds of like safety protocols and uh, making sure every client has all the information that they could possibly ever want, maybe even too much <laughs> information. Um, but um, even still, there's liability with that. And a lot of insurance companies like aren't really comfortable with it, you know, for different reasons. And so, yeah. um, but hopefully in the future, that'll be more commonplace and it has to start somewhere so is it legal is it illegal is that why the insurance companies are like hands off and that's why some doctors are hands off too not just the liability but explain that a little bit yeah it's not it's not it's totally legal so any doctor can write a prescription for ketamine um but the 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 trick is that you know it it is not FDA approved to treat mental health kinds of things. So yes. it is FDA approved as an anesthetic for uh, surgeries and stuff, but because it's not FDA approved uh, in theory, you know, like a doctor, like a worst case scenario could be that a doctor might be worried that, okay, well I'm prescribing off label. Cause that's what that's called when you, you know, do something yeah. that's not FDA approved. Right. And then, um, 
and then something happens with the client or something and the medical board gets all upset with them and then and now, now they're in hot water because of because of that and oh. so it, but it's 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 a really challenging thing and there's a lot of i don't know i don't want to get you know in the weeds of it but i think yeah. there's a lot behind not behind pun the, intended <laughs> yeah 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 but i think there's a lot of behind the scenes factors that make it kind of an uphill battle in a way like for example ketamine is off patent so yeah. that means that no pharmaceutical company can make any profit from it and so then therefore there's not a lot of research to make it fda approved and so even though we have seen you know in the literature for example that it is more effective than spravato which is esketamine which is sort of like a a, a different the nasal form. spray yeah the, the nasal spray yeah, it comes in that form and so then uh it's ketamine outperformed uh ketamine or spravato in in the the clinical trial yeah. and, and that sort of thing but no one can really make a lot of profit off of that for example and so then that one like there's more incentive for a doctor to be able to prescribe that one which is like essentially not as effective than to use the more effective thing which would then be off label and so there's just all kinds of like you know tricky elements here but it's like i think we have to start somewhere and i i, I really feel passionate about advocating you know even if that requires taking a little bit of risk because someone has to do it i guess change that's my next question we've talked a little bit about uh, and and i'm looking at one of the email questions that we got and we've already really addressed this is there a certain screening process for this type of therapy you've already answered that and what are some of the things that would make someone in, ineligible if any and you've kind of touched that a little bit what are the risks um i mean again with different psychedelics there'd be different risks um with with ketamine i think the biggest one i would say would be like the psychological destabilization in a way like if you take this thing and then you have um some big trauma comes up that you've been su suppressing or something and then you yeah. have no no support or or you're just hit with this wave of grief you know it's like maybe maybe you know you, there's all this stuff that just comes out and then now you now it's hard to function contain. yeah yeah it's hard to contain that um and and or you, someone can have a total you know worldview shifting spiritual or, or or sort of a change in worldview that can happen almost like spontaneously and, and then it can be like kind of isolating to where like wow no one really gets what just happened to me and now my family thinks i'm weird <laughs> or whatever <laughs> or whatever do you do people do your clients have to sign some sort of waiver or would that be contained in like the informed consent you know that all of our clients sign yeah so there's an informed consent that i do for my normal like therapy practice and i do that with everyone and there's a general liability waiver that people sign just to be you know to engage in private practice at yeah. all and then there's a second informed consent for ketamine therapy that's also followed by a second specific like um, liability waiver for um, ketamine therapy. Um, do, maybe we need to take another break right now, but I could just keep going. When we come back though, I wanna ask you about taking referrals from other mental health providers, how you do that. So hang on, you're listening to Brain Matters on 90.7, The Capstone. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa. 
This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show hosts or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. Listening to Brain Matters on 90.7 The Capstone, I'm BJ Gunther. We're talking tonight about psychedelic assisted therapy. My guest is licensed professional counselor in private practice in Birmingham, in the Birmingham area, Kenton Bartlett. We just finished talking about risk. Uh, we've talked about skeptics. We've talked about, you know, um, who would be appropriate, what kind of conditions psychedelics can treat successfully, the, the research that's behind this form of therapy. But when I left off, I want to ask you, Kenton, um, how does another mental health provider like send you referrals? What would be, a pro- how, what would be the appropriate way to do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot, so I have a waitlist survey on my website, and uh-huh. a lot of times it'll say, like, who did you hear about this from? And a lot of times people will say, you know, my therapist told me to check you out or, 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 or to do this. Right. And then that has actually happened quite a lot, like, so just from therapists from all over, the people I've never even met or talked to. Uh-huh. And so that, I think, is a great way of doing it because, like, my services, again, are really specialized. And yes. so I, I kind of see my, myself increasingly as kind of like an adjunct service where it's like, okay, it would be ideal if you have a primary therapist who you've been working with for a while, you really, you know, like, like really talked about a lot of things that are going on. And then, you know, we work together in a, in a sh- more of a, like a short-term intensive way and then use this extra tool to go deeper inside and then, you know, the primary therapist can be there to, you know, talk about what happened, you know, yeah. like sort of like and, and what that if that's related to what's been happening, you know, in the, in the therapy process beforehand. And then also I'm available, too, for integration sessions as well, because sometimes, you know, the, the ketamine space or, you know, the psychedelic journey can be very specific. And um, and there could be things related to that that, you know, a primary therapist might not have experience with. And then I can sort of be there as an additional support. For, for people who come to you and they've never experienced, they've never used drugs, they've never done anything like that, but they're willing to try because they're desperate. Um, how do you explain to them? Can you explain to them what they might experience? Uh, good question. Yeah, it, it's hard to explain exactly how it would feel without without doing it. But I yeah. have um, uh, created like there's a whole uh, part of my preparation process is to review like something called the flight instructions, which is like how to psychologically prepare for an experience. So it talks about like, you know, if, if a vision comes up in this way, this is what you can do. Or if you get, you know, freaked out in the middle of it, you know, remember to breathe. And yeah, so there's like different tools that uh, I try to make sure people are prepared with before they go into it. But it's hard to explain exactly what the content would be in the experience. We've got, I've gotten an email question. First of this is what they say. This is how they start. First of all, I am obsessed with the Enchanted Forest Psychedelic Studio Kenton has. What is that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I created this space called like the Psychedelic Studio, and it has all these different rooms that are essentially experience rooms. And so um, they all have totally different 
uh, vibes. And there's one room called the Enchanted Forest, which uh, it, it like when it's like the floor is four inches of foam. It's covered in plush blankets, and all the walls have uh, like different um, wallpapers. And it's kind of meant to mimic like being outside, but in a in a controllable environment where you could do that nine to five. And it's like you're you're you lie down, you look up, you're it's like you're under the stars with trees, you know, above you. And so uh, it's meant to be a really comfortable environment that's really conducive to um, experiencing these things in a really optimal way. You mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're also trained in brain spotting. What is that? So it's, uh, I like to think about it like a collaborative meditation experiment in a way. And so the idea is like, you know how sometimes when we talk, we like look to the side of the room or something. Uh Uh-huh. And so like these, the idea is where you look, it like affects how you feel. It's associated with different memories that you have. So the way this technique would work is, you know, I'd say, hey, what do you want to work on today? And the person says, my deepest trauma or I got in a fight yesterday. And then we notice that their eyes are going like to the door or something. So then what they do is just look at the door, think about that thing, and then you know, pay attention to any thoughts, memories, emotions or body sensations that come up. And then just like stuff happens, you know, like a lot of, you know, therapeutic insights will come about, different body sensations will will happen. And it can be really surprising and really interesting what happens. And I think it's a really amazing tool because it uh, is, uh, I think, really related to the psychedelic process where you start with one thing. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, I just got, you know, was road raged at someone on the way here. And then by the end of the session, you know, now I'm like weeping about a lost, you know, my lost relationship or something. And uh, so it has it can really go to the part of your brain that's like on fire and uh, allow people to process whatever might be kind of below below the surface, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It, it, um, it sounds a little bit like EMDR. Yes. From what I know about yes. EMDR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're very very similar i'd say the difference is that emdr is kind of like okay we're gonna we're gonna work on this specific trauma or this specific belief okay. and if you, if you deviate too much from this we're gonna go back to it oh. you know we're gonna, we're gonna stay in these in this box or within these parameters whereas brain spotting is like we're gonna start here with what's upsetting you right now and we're just gonna see where that goes and you could go way far you know off to the side or something wow is there different. um with regards to psychedelic assisted therapy, is there a minimum age that you'll uh, see? Not, not, not really. There, there's actually some research on uh, like ketamine being used with adolescents, which is pretty cool. And ketamine is even administered in children's hospitals when children have injuries. So it's it's safe to work with you know with people at, at different ages. But um, what's you know, the that, average? What's the average age you see? I mean, I don't, yeah, honestly, like a lot of adolescents don't really reach out to me. And um, it, so I don't, I don't even have an average age anymore. I don't know. It's kind of wide, a wide range, really, really? like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, Is there a limit to the, the oldest age? Is it dangerous with um, elderly? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, the okay. biggest risk would be like a fall risk. So yeah. like that would be really because um, balance is really hard with ketamine. So that, that that's tricky. Um, and then some of the with another safety note, like for, you know, with mushrooms and LSD, there is potential for someone to have like a, the activation of a, a gene responsible for like schizophrenia or it could even activate oh, yeah. a man 
a manic or psychotic episode. And so like if someone is unaware that they might have that predisposition and they take mm -hmm. a high dose at a young age or something, that can be pretty, pretty can dangerous. Trigger it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. What about yeah. gender differences? Do you see more men than women or vice versa? Or is it about um, equal or what's your opinion? I, for whatever reason, I, uh, I, I, if they were, I don't know, maybe I, I might work with a little, a few more women than men, maybe. And I don't know if that's just my personality or, 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 or what, I don't know, <laughs> but or, that, or it, maybe it, women okay. may be more open to it too. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Or, or that. Yeah. Yeah. To therapy in general. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between using like plant this I, now i didn't make this question up i researched this okay and you'll know this what's the difference in between using plant conscious altering plant-based drugs versus chemical compounds yeah there's there's different debates on that you know like is it you know organic or was it made in the lab or something and, and there's different opinions on it I, right. I i tend to think that they can both be equally profound because um, you mentioned you mentioned just a minute ago that there you do, it sounds like you do see some people who take like an SSRI possibly and then can also utilize psychedelic assisted therapy too. Right, right, yes, uh huh, yeah. So like ketamine is is uh, something that uh, there's some research that it that it's also found in nature in a way uh, like I think as a fungus somewhere like really obscure kind of fungus. Um, but also that, you know, it is primarily made, um, in a, in a lab right now, but, but I think the way I think about it is like, maybe the brain could be, you know, some sort of like antenna and these are just different tools to sort of like clue you into different things. Um, but they're all, I mean, they're all just in incredible and they all have, they, they all feel different and have different properties to them. Um, yeah. You said, I think you said insurance does not cover this. So how expensive is this form of treatment? Um, so, yeah, like I, I didn't, I wasn't sure what insurance was going to do or not do. So I, I just chose not to go, not to fight with them because I imagined it was going to be too bureaucratic and too difficult. Yes. And I wanted to focus on just help, helping people the way that I could. And so I do offer a super bill that people can send if their insurance covers out of network providers. And so that would be a way, you know, that, and, and on the bill, it doesn't even say anything about ketamine at all. It would just say, you know, we're meeting for a session. But the, the thing that would raise flags potentially with the insurance company is it would say, you know, there's four hours of therapy on a single day, yeah. which would be when we would do uh, the ketamine therapy. Yeah. And then the insurance you know, person might be like, what is this? We're not paying for four hours right, on right. a single day. Are you crazy? That's, in, that's, outpay, that's like partial day treatment program. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that might be a barrier. You know, I imagine that would probably be a, a, a catch for some people. Um, and the, the cost of it, like, essentially is just it, it's time with the therapist. And so that that's really the most expensive part of it because you know it just these it's a it's a long it's a long experience. Um, but I th I think that you know people sometimes can get more out of one ketamine session than uh, you know many other you know like different different types of, of of therapy, for example. How do you get around? Is there a way to get around that though? Not I mean, like. Um, uh, the therapist could not charge anything, uh, but <laughs> that would be one way to do it. But, but I, I try to like do whatever or a I can. payment plan. Oh yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. And but I, I try to like empower people, you know, hopefully to like 
you know, these are the skills that would, you know, be required to have to be able to engage in really intentional and constructive psychedelic work. And then people could sort of go off from that and they could they could do ketamine on their own, you know, in a really constructive uh, way independently or, or even use a different psychedelic later on. What about can you I don't know where I saw this. Maybe it was on your website. I can't remember where I saw. There is a multi-site multi-site study between Johns Hopkins University, the University of Alabama at Birmingham and New York University. Do you know about that research? Uh, yes. So I, I, sometimes I talk with the researchers at UAP and they're just doing so, all, all kinds of awesome work. Uh-huh. And they've been really focusing on a lot of their focus has been on like addiction. So, you know, using psychedelics to lower addictions of different things. And so they've right. been working on smoking cessation. And that's been the first uh, NIH funded study in, I think, 50 years or something. So it's a big, really big deal. And, and I think they're just doing it in multiple sites to get more data. Interesting. Yeah, I was impressed. You know, that UAB, I mean, come on, we know UAB is wonderful, but UAB, Johns Hopkins and NYU, come on. Those are three yeah, big yeah. ones right there. Um, yeah. You know, does it, people always ask me, like when I make a recommendation or when I make a referral for medication evaluation, they're always asking about their brain chemistry changing. Like they're scared of that sometimes does this alter brain chemistry that sounds like a dumb question because you're going to be like well duh yeah bj it does but you know what i mean like what do you tell people as far as like how it affects somebody's brain chemistry um yeah there's lots of different uh factors with that one um and so like it 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 it, it creates more connections in your in people's brains and it also alters the one of the serotonin or some of the popular ones alter like different receptors in your brain that are responsible yeah. for like learning and unlearning. Yes. And, and, and in a way, it can kind of be like pouring miracle girl on your brain where you're like making more connections and things. And so I think the biggest thing that I would prepare people for is like to be ready for change. You know, like this is th- these are tools that can really help people grow and sometimes rapidly. And so if people aren't ready for any kind of change or perspective shift or, you know, emotional things to come up, maybe it's not the right time, but it doesn't, it's not like, uh, like a traditional psychiatric medication because these wear off, you know, like you take them and then the the effects wear off short term, but the perspective can change, can stay or the, or the way that your neurons have kind of like grown together or different insights, you know, that, that can be lasting. And so, um, yeah, as, as long as people are prepared for the changes that might result, I think that's the more important thing rather than like what's happening with my brain chemistry, which I think would be more important with, you know, taking a psychiatric medication yeah. more, long, more long term. Exactly. And I mean, for somebody like me who has training in substance use and substance abuse, chemical dependency, you know, when I first heard about this, it was scary because for so long for for my career, you know, we 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 teach or we talk about or we've seen i've worked on this co- this college campus for 17 years and i've seen the effects of abuse of some psychedelics you know and so that makes me apprehensive sometimes you know and that's why i wanted you to come on the show to explain some of the you know the differences what about people who are concerned about addiction with the psychedelic drugs how do you can you prevent that i know it's not you know you're it's being monitored it sounds and regulated it sounds like 
Yeah, I'm wondering how long I have to answer that question. I just want to make sure. We're, um, yeah, with the uh, <laughs> um, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. 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 Great. So with addiction, um, yeah, like so, anything you know, people can develop an addiction to literally anything at all. There's that, there's that show, My Strange Addiction. Yeah. And so the the bigger risk would be developing like a you know psychological or emotional attachment rather than the physical addiction yeah. of it, you know? And so like with mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms, there's like no evidence whatsoever of any kind of chemical addiction. Um, and then with, there's marginally, you know, more addictive potential with, um, with LSD, I'd say marginally more. And then above that, I would say ketamine has mar like marginally more addictive potential. And then MDMA has more than that. So I, I would, you know, if I just off the cuff, maybe would say that. Yeah. But when approached like we're doing, like, and a big part of my job is to like really encourage people to take this extremely seriously. And it's all about, you know, like, okay, we're going to, you know, journal about this and really clarify what your intention is and imagine that you are going to like a super legit teacher, you know, like, and that's how you should approach the experience. Right, like, right. And, and, and then afterwards, a lot of discipline to follow through with whatever might've come about in that experience. And so when doing, when putting those things in place, it just allows, um, I think, to bring that addiction potential close to nothing because you know people are taking it really seriously and um, are approaching it as a really important experience. Right. It's not recreational. This is not right. recreational. This is. Yeah. Cheap. I mean, yeah. I mean, there can be playful elements to it. So it's not like we want to take it so seriously that you know whatever. But it, it, I, I don't see it as like a, you know, let's go out and party or something. It's like no, this is. A, a <laughs> I got cool my ketamine. Let's go. You know. <laughs> right, yeah. I get right, it. Right, right. Well, let's take our last break, and then when we come back, I want to ask you about resources. If you have any resources for people who are interested in listening, so hang up. You're listening to Brain Matters on ninety point seven, the Capstone. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show host or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. Brain Matters on 90.7 The Capstone. I'm Dr. B.J. Gunther. We're talking tonight about psychedelic assisted therapy. My guest is Kenton Bartlett. He is in private practice in the Birmingham area and a licensed professional counselor. And Kenton, are you the only therapist in the state who's doing this? How many are there in Alabama? No, there's a, there's a few others. So there's, um, um, yeah, some, some there, there are different, different levels of, of training. And so, um, like I think there's two others who are like have completed the training and are available to, to do it. One of them works in several different states um, and is licensed and works mostly with OCD. Um, another one who's finished their uh, and they, they don't live in Alabama, but they, they do um, offer that service. One, one um, is in um, our, our state, Fancy Sears. She's completed a lot of training and there's several other therapists um, Alex Baugh and Peggy Hobbs are, are working on 
um, completing their, their training. And I just posted on my Facebook a list of other people um, who are offering integration services um, at different levels of, of training and experience and things like that. What are some resources for listeners? Books, podcasts, websites, anything you can think of? Yeah, um, great question. So that if you go on uh, my website, KentonBartlettCounseling.com, and you scroll down, there's like a, a um, lecture that I gave, like a, a, a talk speaking thing that I, I tried to condense as much information about psychedelics as possible. And I think if you go on that YouTube page and you scroll into the comments on the YouTube thing, there's a list of resources. And I put all kinds of books and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. And then I'm really current on um, Facebook. Um, which you just type in my name and or Kent Bartlett Counseling into Facebook, and I, I post things on there all the time. Thank you so much. This has been so informative. I, I've really enjoyed this. This is fascinating to me. I mean, we could have probably gone another hour, you know, but it goes by, like I told you before the show, it goes by pretty quickly when you're like asking questions and answering. Um, it's just fascinating. Have you ever presented at the Alabama Counseling Association? Uh, I have not. Well, uh, not formally through through school. I did. Like, I had a poster there. Just or curious. Just curious, because this would be I think this would be a very innovative, creative, interesting um, topic for presentation at the annual conference in November. Oh, for sure. Just heads up. Thanks so much again. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, we. I announce this every week, but our shows are recorded and podcasted on Apple Podcasts. I mentioned audioboom.com. There, there's a lot of shows. Um, I think we only started posting on Apple a couple of years ago during COVID, and then the rest of our shows are on audioboom.com, but also on voices.ua.edu. You can just type in Brain Matters, and you'll find some of our past shows. There's also a link to voices.ua.edu on the Counseling Center's website, and that's at counseling.ua.edu. I always like to thank the people who've made this show possible. To begin with, our Executive Director of the Counseling Center, Dr. Greg Vanderwall, Terry Sigurds from the Office of Student Media, and of course, my production assistant and colleague, Catherine Howell, my colleagues here at the Counseling Center, the WVUA staff who edits our shows every week, and my guest tonight, Kenton Bartlett. Next week, we're going to run a rerun, and I'm not sure what that's going to be. That's going to be on Valentine's Day, and then our next show, I think, will be February the 21st on how to heal from depression if that's correct. Catherine, is that right? How to heal from depression. So we're going to talk a little more in detail about depression and treatment. So we appreciate you listening. Join us in a couple of weeks. Join us actually next week for our next show to be on Valentine's. So hopefully everybody will be in a good mood that night. But thanks for listening and have a good evening. Good night. This show is not intended as a substitute for professional counseling. Further, the views, opinions, and conclusions expressed by the show hosts or their guests are their own and not necessarily those of the University of Alabama, its officers, or trustees. Any views, opinions, or conclusions shared on the show do not create a relationship between the host or any guest and any listener, and such a relationship should never be inferred. If you feel you're in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, please contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact Contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.